Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Um, good morning. My name is Mike. It is an absolute pleasure to be here at the city centre today. Uh, I've been part of Birmingham Vineyard for a little over 20 years. Uh, and at the moment, uh, Rachel and I, my wife and I, uh, we're part of the East Site service. So it's great to be back here at City Centre, uh, see some faces I haven't seen for a while, as well as loads of new faces too. Uh, and particularly if it's your first time here, hi, uh, really pleased you're here. Come and say hello at the end of the service. Be great to catch up and meet you. So um, we're continuing our series of talks looking at the book of James. So just as we, we start into there, let, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have your word handed down over thousands of years. And Lord, thank you that you speak through it today in power into our lives. Let us dwell in your word, learn from your wisdom, and hear your voice. Amen. 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 So we are going to talk about the book of James. We're going to have a look at uh, some verses in a minute. But first of all, uh, I've got two questions for you. When you were growing up, what was your favourite film? And which character did you want to be? Have a quick think on that. What was your favourite film growing up? And which character did you want to be? Turn to the person next to you and share your answers. Okay, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to try and bring you back. I started it. It's my fault. Okay. That was really quite fun because it started off as a low murmur. And then as people started sharing, the volume went up. And, and from where I'm standing, I can see all the married couples in the room going, you what? <laughs> I didn't know you liked that film. Can, can, let's have a couple of examples. Someone from over here. What was the favourite film over here? So, anybody? Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Who, oh, what a great film. Who did you want to be from Top Gun? Maverick. Of course you wanted to be Maverick. Of course you. What about over here? What's the favourite film over here? Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Oh, that's a good one. Who did you want to be in Chariots of Fire? Quite right, Eric Little. Fantastic. Ah, oh, he runs, he preaches. Awesome. Um, what about this side? Have we got a favourite film over here? Maybe one of the, the ladies, because the guys are shouting out there, so I like all of those. That's something that's going to challenge me. What's a favourite film? Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Oh, 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 you've got some fans over here. Who did you want to be in The Sound of Music? Maria, of course, of course. And maybe, maybe one from over here, just to round off. A, a favourite film, please. Star Wars. Star Wars. Who do you want to be? Luke Skywalker. Oh. I knew we'd get there. What was my favourite film growing up? Star Wars. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, of course it was. Um, I queued round the block to see that film in the cinema when it first came out. Yeah, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> But which Star Wars character did I want to be? Yeah, that's right. Let's have Han Solo. I like Luke. Luke's cool. Luke's all right. I mean, you know, he does the good stuff. Han's cool. You know? Han's cool. He's, he's a bit rough around the edges. 
If you're into Star Wars, just to be clear, he shot first. And if you're not into Star Wars, don't look that up because you'll go down a rabbit hole of Star Wars and you'll never come back. But um, I wanted to be Han Solo because Han was cool. He was, he was edgy. He saves the day in that first film. He's the hero. Maverick is the hero. Maria is the hero. We want to be the heroes in the films and the stories that we engage in. Because actually, it's a very human thing. When you're, when you're looking at a story, when you're watching a film, when you're hearing a story told to you, the human thing is to go, where am I in this story? Who do I want to be? That's pretty normal. Well, James tells us a little bit of story in chapter five. And we're going to read it. Let's see where we get to with this. Now, listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded up wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who harvested your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Ouch. Do you manage to identify with any of the characters in that story? Are we the rich or the poor? I have a nasty feeling we're probably the rich. Now, when James was writing... And, and there are clues in the language about this. The church that he was writing to wouldn't have seen themselves as the rich. The rich were mostly outside the church at that stage. Most Christians were poor or at least hardworking uh, craftspeople or, or labourers. And they weren't rich, self-indulgent, powerful landowners and politically important. That's... When James was writing, I don't think we get off the hook that easily. So let's find out. Time for some statistics. The average household income in the UK a couple of years ago was £35,000. Now, if your household, and it's household, not individual, if your household has an income of £35,000 or above, that puts you in the top 25% of earners on the planet. And if we bring it a bit closer to home, there are households all across this city of Birmingham where money is a huge struggle. Well, the average in the UK is £35,000. You know, 40% of households in Birmingham have an income of less than fourteen thousand pounds. Now, here in Birmingham Vineyard, 
We have people from all over this city and from all over the world. And I love that. I love it that we come together. Everyone is welcome. And there's no favour for people who've got more money or less money. We talked about that earlier on in the series of James. In fact, let's face it. We're usually a bit British about it all, aren't we? You know, it all gets a bit awkward talking about money. We're quite shy about it. And, and in a way, that's a good thing because it means we don't know who's got loads of money and who doesn't, so it doesn't change how we treat people. I like that. That's a good thing. We don't show special favour. But that doesn't stop us being rich. Maybe when we, we read this passage, we feel uncomfortable that these harsh words for the rich people, weeping and wailing, are meant for us. Or maybe you saw yourself in the passage in the place of the poor and the exploited that James talks about. And that happens. And that happens in this country and in this city as well. I love it that we come together. But we need to be aware of each other's situations. And small groups are the place to do that. Share the blessing you have and share the needs that you have so we can bless each other. But even if we're down at £14,000 or, or below that, if we look globally, the picture changes a bit. There are over one billion people in the world today who try to survive on less than one dollar per day. One dollar. All right, so what's that got to do with us? I mean, it's not our fault, is it? We're not exploiting people. We don't set their wages. Okay. Well, let's work an example and see where we get to. Um, so I thought I'd go for what everybody's going to want to talk about this time of the morning. Let's talk about coffee. Uh, and I'm going to need some volunteers to help me and some coffee experts. Where are my two coffee experts? Where's Abby and Daniela? Are they about? If you could come on up, please. <clears throat> They're sitting there going, we didn't know we were coffee experts. It's true, I didn't tell them what we're going to do. So we're going to have some coffee. And this is all based, oh, there we go. This is all based on some research work done by the Financial Times uh, back in 2019. Now, 2019 is a little while ago. They chose a cup of coffee and they found a cup of coffee that costs £2.50. So there you go, you two. There is £2.50 and you're going to buy a cup of coffee. And what I need very quickly are eight volunteers. So two people from over here to stand up. Yes, please, come on up. That's fantastic. Just come and stand here. That's one. And one more volunteer. Very quickly. Anybody? Come on. I'll pick on someone if you don't. Come on. You come and stand here, sir. That's brilliant. Would you hold that for me? And you hold it that way so they can see it. Wonderful. I'll come up. Boy, you'll do. Fantastic. You can come and stand here. Very good. Let's have a volunteer from over here, please. That's the, yes, please. That's fantastic. Good, good, good. And one more, please. Thank you. You stand there and hold that. One more volunteer. Come on. Cap. Good man. <laughs> yes, I thought so. Where are you, Cap? There you go. If you could, um, if you could hold that up, that would be handy. Thank you so much. And then we need a couple of volunteers from over here, please. Come on, Andy. <laughs> yep, and fantastic. Come on forward, please. You can come and stand just here. Thank you. And Andy, you're there. And then we're down to our last two over here. Two volunteers from somewhere over here, please. Yes, that's one. Thank you very much. And one more. Tim, well done. Good. I could see you, Keen. There we go. And... 
There we go. Right, so we have got a chain of people involved in getting you a cup of coffee. We've got the coffee grower. Hold that nice and high. Coffee grower, coffee roaster. We've got the barista in the coffee shop who actually makes the coffee. We've got the cow. Hello. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean... It did say farmer, but I thought, nah. Um, we've got, uh, we've got there the shop owner, the landlord, we've got someone who supplies all the bits and pieces, the cup and the lid and the stirrers, and we've got the tax from the government. So, coffee experts, you have £2.50. That's how much you're actually going to hand over in the shop. Please would you distribute that money based on how much you think each one of them gets from your cup of coffee. So work your way down the line. Not how much you think would be fair, I want to know how much you actually think they end up with. Just as quick as you can, dish the money out, and we'll see where we get to. Uh, no, we'll, just, we'll let them do we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up in a second, don't worry. Quick as you can, Abby. Quick as you can. You know, no, you have to give all the £2.50. You can't keep it for yourselves. That's, the coffee costs £2.50. It's only £2. I mean, where have they found a £2.50 cup of coffee? I have no idea. But anyway, how are we doing? Have you given all the money out yet? What have we got? We're nearly there. Abby's done. Fantastic. Danielle, you got any left? Wonderful. Okay. So, let's see what you did. We'll start at this end. We'll go very quickly. Mr. Taxman, how much money have you got? 50p for the taxman. How much have we got for the supplier of bits and pieces? 36 pence. 36 pence. Andy, how much have you got? Nothing here. You've got nothing at all. The landlord got no money. Okay, this shop may not be around for very long. The shop owner, how much did you make? 60p. 60p, very good. How's the cow doing? Uh, 22. 22 pence for the cow. And we've got, which one? Oh, yeah, the barista themselves who made it? 40. 40p. Okay, the coffee roaster. 40p and the coffee grower 2p 2p that's not fair it's true it's not fair it's, true. it's not fair they're wrong actually coffee grower gets 1p from a £2.50 cup of coffee. We can do the rest of the distribution another day, but the coffee grower gets 1p from your £2.50 cup of coffee. The wages that we didn't pay the harvesters who harvested our fields are crying out. Thank you very much. A round of applause for all the volunteers. Well done, coffee grower. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Just drop them down there. That's fine. Thank you. That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah. How much thought do we give to who grew our coffee, who, who made our clothes? Now, we live in a system that none of us built, but it's a system where our choices and our spending have an impact on the people around us in the world. The rich people that James is writing to just don't seem to care. They don't listen to the cry of their workers. They don't care about justice. But God does. God hears the cries. The Lord Almighty cares about justice. And there's actually some comfort for us here. If we're feeling poor or oppressed or exploited ourselves, God hears our prayers and our cries. The Lord Almighty is on the side of the poor and needy. I mean, Jesus said, I came to preach good news to the poor. 
And we'll probably hear more about God's justice and judgment in the next couple of talks on James, because that's where his writing goes towards. So for now, we'll, we'll leave that idea with a challenge. Do we care? Do we really love our neighbour as ourselves? And if we do, what action can we take to show that love and care and help ease the burdens on the world's poor? Maybe we need to look at our shopping baskets and see if we can move a few products over to fair trade brands. Maybe we can look at supporting groups like Christian Aid who campaign and work for fairness and justice for the world's poor. Christians can make a difference in these things through prayer and through action. Now, I've only ever been on one political protest march in my entire life. It's not really my thing. I'll, I'll sign a petition every now and then if you want. But back in the late 90s, there was a campaign called Drop the Debt. I realise there's a few people nodding and there's lots of people going, I wasn't alive in the late 90s. <laughs> it's okay. The Drop the Debt campaign was a campaign to lobby the world's governments to drop the international debt owed by about 40 of the poorest countries in the world. And it was led by Christians. I signed a few petitions, thought it was a good idea. And then an opportunity came up because the G8 summit, so the leaders of the eight most powerful economies in the world, met in Birmingham at the ICC. The presidents and prime ministers of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Russia, the USA, the UK and the European Union all came together for a conference in Birmingham. And that's how Rachel and I and 70,000 other people found themselves standing in a circle round the whole of the ICC. People had bust in from all over the city and the country and it was churches organising busloads of people. And there was a petition, and there was prayer, and there was praise. The Drop the Debt campaign succeeded in getting $130 billion of debt written off by about 40 of the world's poorest countries. Now, the details are not always that great. There were some problems. The way those countries were treated wasn't great. But... The aim was to get the world to take notice. It's the Lord Almighty who's heard the cries of the poor. Almighty. We can be part of change. It's not okay to sit back and go, it's too big. I can't do anything. That's on a global scale. What about closer to home? This is challenging because this is about something that's often very close to our hearts which is our wallet, or our purse, or our bank account. James warns the rich that misery is coming to you, and he talks about clothes being moth-eaten and gold and silver rotting. Now, I mean, it doesn't sound great. You know, I quite like my clothes without too many holes. I'm sure you're very grateful for that as well at the moment. But misery is a really strong word. Why, why would you be miserable? Why would you be weeping and wailing if if your money is, is not what it was. I mean, how much money do we need? How much money is enough? That's quite a famous question. It got asked a long time ago to a guy called John Rockefeller. Uh, John Rockefeller was the first billionaire in America and somebody asked him, Mr. Rockefeller, 
how much money is enough? And he said, a little bit more. And when he said it, he was practically quoting the Bible. Because if you look in Ecclesiastes, which is written by another very rich person, Solomon, uh, chapter 5, verse 10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Friends, money and wealth is a terrible foundation for our lives. The love of money, the lust for wealth, the constant desire for more is unhealthy and sinful. It's what we call greed. And greed can lure us in and then take control. It's a hunger that can't be satisfied. It is a chain on our lives that will hold us captive. We need Jesus to set us free from that sort of captivity. Jesus is the one who breaks chains and brings freedom. And when he does, there are signs of his grace and his mercy at work in our lives. One of the signs of that freedom is generosity. If Jesus has freed us from the chains of greed, then our whole attitude to money and wealth changes. We're free from the hunger to hold on and to hoard more and more. We are free to be generous. And then when the temptation of greed starts to creep back in, being generous is actually one of the most powerful ways to fight back. I mean, let's face it, it's really hard for money to take control of your life if you keep giving it away. It's got no power over us anymore. That's one of the reasons that regular, generous giving is important. It's good for us. I think Jesus looks for deep transformation in our lives. He wants us to change the way we think about everything and put him first. I mean, we say when we become Christians that we, we gave our lives to Jesus. If we've given him our lives, haven't we given him our bank account? We sometimes sing a worship song that says it's your breath in our lungs. If it's God's breath in our lungs, surely it's his money in our wallets. This morning, we just sang, all I am is yours. Did we mean it? All of it. Not just 10%. Not just a donation here or there. All of it. Friends, it is not our money. It's his. We're just the servants given some talents to manage for a while. We work hard, we try to make wise decisions, but the talents come from him. It's all his money. And not just money, it applies to everything else. It applies to time, it applies to cars, houses, resources. For example, very briefly, Rachel and I live in a house that's far too big for the two of us. We're all right, the two of us plus four cats. <laughs> but we've got space. And I remember when we looked around the house, when we were first looking to buy, oh, this is where we should be. But it's too big. It's not our house. It needs to be his. And over the years we've been there, we've had all sorts of people stay with us. Sometimes for one or two nights, sometimes for a couple of weeks, sometimes for months. Just recently, we had a family from Ukraine, a mother and a six-year-old son who fled Mariupol when the invasion happened. They stayed with us for a year. And people have come up and said, oh, it's an amazing thing you're doing. It's a fantastic thing. It's so generous. No, it's not. 
It's not, because it's not our house. God gave us the space. God gave us the room to steward. We're just doing what he's telling us to do. And you know what? Every time we have an opportunity to do something like that, to be what we call generous, we're amazed at the depth of love and the depth of blessing that it unlocks for us. Generosity is one way we can get right in the middle of God's kingdom at work. And that is always exciting. So perhaps when we read the passage, you looked at it and you recognised yourself and you, and you said, that's me. I'm poor. I'm exploited. We would love to pray with you today and pray God's blessing because the Lord Almighty hears the cries of the poor. Maybe we read the passage and we read about the rich and felt uncomfortable and uneasy. We'd love to pray with you that Jesus would release you from the chains of money and wealth, the power that it has over you and set your heart free. Or maybe you want to step up and have that deeper conversation with Jesus to have someone pray with you while you give him your whole life. Or if you've done that already, when you recognise that actually you need to give him your whole life and not just the bit that you thought you were talking about. Have him transform how you think about the money in your bank account and open your eyes to see how he wants you to spend his money to show his love. To get right in the middle of the kingdom in action and to see God at work. If any of those are you, or if there's anything else that you would want prayer for, there's an opportunity now. So could we stand, please? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.